Midnight Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll have commentator Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine talking about the alignment between Nokia and Microsoft, a marriage made in heaven or the other place. Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, joining us to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of Apple's new publication subscription plan for the App Store. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. And since he's San Francisco-based, he tells me he's just gotten his Verizon iPhone. So, can you now <laughs> get connections? Well, I just got it this morning, so I haven't actually plugged it in and set it up. <laughs> I, also, <laughs> I also have a whole bunch of rollover minutes that I've never used because I never talk on the phone anymore. <laughs> but I, I have this idea that I should use them up before I switch them over. Do you think you're going to switch over? What is your experience with AT&T where you are? my neighborhood i just don't have any service at all and even traveling every time i leave the city i mean san francisco has notoriously bad spots of service it's not everywhere that it's bad but i happen to live in one and when i walk around the city all over the city i have problems but even when i i just recently i went to tahoe this weekend and you know i don't expect a strong signal when i'm snowboarding on the hill but just everywhere along the way it's just it's just not very good so you're anticipating that the verizon iphone may be something you could switch to Yes. <laughs> That'll be good. No, I, I have the phone. I just have to set it up. So, mm-hmm. so you I, are I have, switching. You are going to switch your connection. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I, I have friends come over with Verizon phones, and it works fine. It is a trade-off. You know, I mean, there's Verizon's network, their existing network isn't very fast, but a little bit is much faster than a lot of potential that's never there. Can you also live with the inability to do simultaneous voice and data? Well... I mean, that's kind of a nice feature. I don't use it a lot. And typically when I'm in a situation where I would do that, remember the AT&T commercial they ran just recently, it was the, the guy being reminded of his anniversary. His wife calls and, and he's frantically getting on, on the web while he's talking to her and making a reservation. Typically when you're in a situation like that, you're somewhere where you have Wi-Fi. So it kind of doesn't matter so much. But I mean, that is, that is a feature of the network. It's faster. It has simultaneous voice and data. There's a couple other features of UMTS. I've, t- I've taken my phone roaming, but now, of course, I can take my old phone roaming with me if I need to do that. So, well, Of course, the big issue here, then, if you can't get a connection, what difference does it make? I would have thought that AT&T would have spent the farm on trying to get San Francisco better connected. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a very small area. There is a problem in San Francisco with... There, there are some you know borderline militant groups that don't like cell phone antennas. That's just what they've made their thing, and it's it's not some scientific opposition to radi- radiation. It's kind of billed as you know this is this could be hurting our children's brains, but I don't think children are are better off being exposed to radiation eighty percent of the time, <laughs> and and being exposed to Verizon's radiation, but not AT and T's. I mean, it's just stupid. They just make it really difficult. I mean, Steve Jobs kind of alluded to it, I think, in one of his comments how difficult it is to get cell towers built in San Francisco. In, in a combination with there's those people and then there's people that once they realize that there's a need for an antenna, the landlords will try to get so much money to have them build it. There's a, a series of problems on top of the fact that it's, it's kind of keeping the problem from getting fixed. But I, I really expected AT&T to do a better job in improving their network. And I've contacted the company a number of times about getting a microcell, which you think they would just be throwing at people here. Especially somebody who is in the tech media. Yeah, they completely ignored me. 
It was just like, they just have no clue. And they're sending it, apparently they're having this new campaign to send it to people. Maybe they've just given up on San Francisco. They just know that their service here is so terrible that why even try? <laughs> I think that's what they've done at this point. But yeah, I waited for, what has it been now, three years? Going on year number four, and yeah, they totally were not there. They, they were there to collect the money. Of course they are, and that's interesting too, and I'll tell you an example of that. Up till now, I've had fairly decent performance from AT&T in the Phoenix area. Now, according to Consumer Reports, they don't rate very well, but I've had pretty good experience, except for this past few days where I've had one particular pocket where I'm getting bad reception. I put in a service ticket. doesn't seem to have made much of a difference. Now, obviously, my AT&T contract is up in July, okay? We expect we'll have a new iPhone by then. So right. AT&T has, you know, just a few months to get their act together or I'm gone. Not that I've always had the greatest experience with Verizon. I still keep a plan on there that I'm using for relatives. And the other thing, of course, you know, this is a piece of advice for listeners. If you want to get out of your AT&T plan, here's one way. If you don't want to spend the high early termination fee, of course, you can just sell your phone over at eBay or something and make up the difference. Or what you could do is basically just keep the cheapest, most inexpensive plan you can for like, you know, $30 a month and just keep paying it till, of course, you use up your contract. I don't know. It's basically a low-cost monthly way of doing it. But I gather that you are ready to leave. Well, the problem with the iPhone is that you can't use the iPhone without data service on AT&T. Yes, but I'm saying is here, what you can do if you don't have your contract is nothing stops you from taking your phone elsewhere. You just have to keep a basic plan. Do you have to have a two-year payment for your data plan? Or is it just having a plan? Are you forced? You shouldn't be forced to have can, anything on the plan. Your phone. I think you could change it to a simpler phone, but I want to use my same number. So You can still port your number. I did that, by the way, when I moved to AT&T. I kept the lines open at Verizon. I just moved the numbers. Hmm. And I pawned it off onto a relative who picked up the bill. That's how I did it. I like the idea of just suing AT&T for providing pretty much no service. I mean, I, my phone has been pretty much a Wi-Fi device <laughs> for the last three years in my house. It's, it's really bad. I mean, I, I would have to, like, hold the phone up to the window on either end of the house to, to get it to send a text. And even when it says I have service, it'll say, it'll say I have five bars of service, and then I'll be expecting a text. And then two hours later, I'll just get, like, ten texts that are increasingly panicked. Where are you? Where are you? Okay, if anyone from AT&T is listening, okay? This is a nationally syndicated show. It's available online by the GCN network and everything. AT&T, give Daniel Aaron Dilger a microcell. I mean, he's switching to Verizon. You're losing a customer here. Yeah, I was I was trying to be really fair in uh, presenting their side of their strategy and what they were doing. And yeah, it doesn't seem like... I don't know. I think I think my idea that they've just given up on San Francisco is just like, oh, this place is too difficult. We're just going to focus on other places. Because I constantly, you know, I, I get press releases from the company, among other things. It's constantly, it's like, we've added new service to, you know, somewhere I haven't heard of in Indiana and, and this place and that place. And what about... What about a million and a half people who live and work in San Francisco that clearly not getting service? And what about people in Midtown Manhattan? Yeah, I mean it's like I mean it's it's difficult in a really highly populated area, but San Francisco is not that crazy highly populated. It's not like you can't service everybody. This is interesting too. I was reading a report, I guess it came from the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain. And it's interesting how this week, of course, everybody's talking about the possibility of a cheap iPhone, so nobody cares what comes out of the Mobile World Congress. It looks like every time there's a trade show, Apple somehow upstages it. But let's get to this. There's a story of a new miniaturized system for cell phone 
antennas for transmission systems. So you'd have, basically, you can stick these things, you know, on trees and stuff like that. You don't have to have the unsightly towers. You can have miniaturized towers or miniaturized antenna systems that could be put up anywhere. And this could basically alleviate the problem where you have people in big cities who won't let you put up cell towers. Yeah, it's interesting. I I don't know the exact report you're talking about, but I've seen, I mean, they do make cell towers that blend into the environment. Um, and they're nicer. I mean, I've been in countries where they just don't care about, they'll put anything up <laughs> and yeah, it looks ugly. And I, you know, I understand the argument of wanting to have cell towers that blend in or, or, or whatever, but yeah, I, I don't know what, whether the problem is the carriers just not getting it or what, but but yeah, they all seem to have a little bit of a problem in San Francisco, but AT&T is just kind of behind in, in what it's doing. It is well, interesting that AT&T is rolling out significantly faster service. I mean, right now, um, you know, T-Mobile is talking about putting out really fast HSPA+, and AT&T is kind of already has it. They just need to flick a switch. And the next, the next iPhone, they're calling this 4G. The next iPhone is supposed to be supporting it, too, so... We'll see how it works. We'll talk more to Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider on the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? 
Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We continue. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we're talking about AT&T's problems. And, of course, one of the things is that AT&T is not in all 50 states. Okay, so there's some parts of the mainland United States. We're not talking about Hawaii or even Alaska, but the mainland United States where AT&T has virtually no coverage, and suddenly Verizon does. Now, the other thing is here, the Verizon launch, what they did, which AT&T didn't do, I guess, is a week ahead of the on-sale date, Verizon offered the phone online to existing customers. So you didn't have that queue of people waiting online to get their phones. Yeah, they had... They had kind of a limited number. Well, they had their own pre-orders for their existing customers, which, you know, I mean, Verizon and AT&T are, are similarly sized, and the internal demand is going to be similar. I mean, both of them are attracted some number of other suppliers, but or other other customers from other carriers. But it is interesting that the sources that I've seen it, it suggested that that Apple had kind of stockpiled this two million CDMA iPhones for launch. And we don't know what the proportion of, of that number was set aside for the pre-launch, but they sold out in the first day. They started taking pre-orders, like it was supposed to be a week before, I think, and they sold out the first day. 
And it was interesting that Verizon was kind of volunteering this information about how this was the biggest launch it was they've ever had. It blew away pre-sales of Droid and the Storm before that. So, I mean, Verizon is clearly stoked about it. And when I, when I went to place my order, when it first became available to everybody else, I placed it in the first half hour because I did it before I went to bed. It, I think it started at midnight. And it said that shipping would start around the 18th and ended up that they shipped about a week early. So possibly so, then the initial allotment was gone by the time you placed your order. Well, that's it kind of sounded like they were bracing for that. You know, they weren't they were promising early delivery. They were kind of giving a um giving themselves a big window to supply people. So they're they're saying this you should get this before on or before the 18th, they said. And ended up I got it a week before. So I'd imagine people who are pre-ordering now may be still being told on or before the 18th and they'll just get it a little bit later. What's but, also interesting is the fact that if Verizon delivers early, hey, they're heroes. Yeah. And at some point, you know, the, the pair are going to release their shipping numbers, and that's going to be interesting to see exactly how many numbers they shipped. Well, right now, if you go to Apple.com, the Apple Store, here's what it says. If you buy from AT&T, it ships within 24 hours. If you go to Verizon, and we're doing this show on the 15th, by the way. It's going to be heard on the 19th. They're promising ships by February 18th. So they're still, you know, kind of behind the ball game there. Well, yeah, the 18th number hasn't changed, so that's just kind of a ballpark estimate. But it will be interesting to see once they release numbers. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't thrown out any real numbers yet. Well, that's true. Some people are saying, well, this is disappointing. It may take a few days to tally up the figures to see what happens. But, yeah. We'll have to see where it goes. But let's look now at some of the things that are happening in the mobile phone industry around the iPhone, about competitors. Now, just a few days ago, we hear this statement from the CEO of Nokia. And I had to look up pronunciation of that. So it's Nokia with the emphasis on the first syllable, ladies and gentlemen. I used to call it Nokia, but now I learned it's Nokia. And well, it's kind of Nokia in the United States. I think in Finland they say Nokia. That's <laughs> how they say it. Si, senor. But <laughs> regardless, okay, the CEO, who used to work for Microsoft, by the way, for about two years, he went to Nokia back in September, and then you have this memo he comes out with where he's saying, gee, the platform is collapsing. Now, so what does he do? Well, he calls up his old boss at Microsoft and says, can we cut a deal? Now, the one thing I suggested laughingly, you know, not seriously, Daniel, is, was this guy a stalking horse from Microsoft? He's set up in there, he gets the job at Nokia, and suddenly they're in bed with Microsoft? Well, it's kind of interesting that Nokia has been talking about open software for a long time. They have a couple of Linux platforms that they've been working on with Intel. They have their own Symbian that they turn into an open source project, kind of similar to what Netscape did when it turned into Mozilla. They've been working on that for several years now. And they've been making a big big deal about how they want to have everything open and they're not going to do anything that isn't open. From that perspective, it's kind of weird that Microsoft, you know, why would they do that? Um, but at the same time, Nokia and Microsoft have been in talks for a long time. Nokia started making Windows computers, which they never sold computers before. They started selling this netbook that I think it was either an 09, it was around that time, 08 or 09. And they also released a... Um, a joint partnership saying that Microsoft would build office apps for Symbian phones. Kind of 
I, I think that was around the time that the App Store was taking off, or, or after it was already obviously going blockbuster, and Microsoft was trying to sound relevant. In the last two years, they didn't deliver any Office apps for Symbian that I'm aware of, and now they're basically saying Symbian's going to go away. So it isn't completely out of nowhere that Microsoft and Nokia are kind of teaming up. Scandinavian countries are also just beholden to Microsoft, or they have been for a long time. When I was there a couple years ago talking in Copenhagen, there was a... um, Macs are starting to make kind of an opening, and and yet there, it's still really Microsoft-heavy. Remember when Microsoft wanted to turn its Office document into an ISO standard? They had no problem having Scandinavian countries rubber stamp because, I mean, they, they really have a lot of power and control. There's just, everyone's just like super pro-Microsoft there. So it's, it, it's kind of a contradiction. It's kind of expected at the same time. But when, it was kind of interesting because there's been a flood of, Microsoft has just been shedding its, its really high-end you know, top executives. And uh, the, the new CEO of, of Nokia was from, I mean, he was running the, the show at running the office program. That's called their business division. So when he left, it was kind of like, wow, why is he leaving? They're going to have a whole lot of <laughs> missing teeth at the top of their executive command chain. Um, but I'm trying to think that was last fall that he left. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty rapid turnaround. It was September. Yeah, so it's only been like a few months. I mean, so this isn't like, you know, they went to Nogi and thought, hmm, what should we do? Hmm, what are our options? It was like obviously kind of in, in line that Microsoft has been desperately just pointed down towards the ground and on fire with its mobile strategy. And Nokia has been losing market share just dramatically. I mean, it used to be that people talked about Symbian like Windows. I mean, it was it was on almost all the smartphones. And that was at a time before the iPhone when smartphone was kind of broadly interpreted to mean any sort of phone that could sort of run a Java app. I mean, most of Nokia's phones, even even most of the phones that they call a smartphone are pretty simple. Uh, they do make some phones that are kind of on the level of the iPhone. That's kind of a small, that's like the cream of their their smartphone crop. And that's what Microsoft is interested in. They don't care about all those other phones that Nokia makes. They want to basically turn Nokia into a factory making Windows Phone 7 because nobody else is. I'll tell you what, we'll get into what's going on with Windows Phone 7 and more. On the other side, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. 
The largest part of gaining radiant health is detoxification. You can drink ionized water, cleanse your intestines, eat a perfect diet, and even take lots of quality supplements and in many instances only make minimal progress. What is the key to detoxifying your body of mercury, heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs? It is glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant used to detoxify your entire body. It stops free radicals, keeps cells young, and reduces inflammation. One World Way protein powder may be able to raise your glutathione production by 64% or more. One World Way is more effective than any other whey protein powder on the market because it is unheated and from grass-fed cows. All other, quote, cold-processed whey protein powders have been heated and damaged by 15% or more. One World Way comes in three delicious flavors. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. It's a new year full of uncertainties. People are being laid off in record numbers. The price of food continues to rise and the economy continues to falter. You know that you need to prepare. And maybe you've been putting it off, but the time to act is now. That's why you need to visit OrganicaSeed.com. At OrganicaSeed.com, you'll find one of the largest online selections of heirloom seeds and survival seed packs, as well as the giant vegetable seed collections that can feed you and your family for years. Imagine growing your very own fresh vegetables, wheatgrass, fruits, herbs, rice, tea, coffee, and tobacco. With detailed growing guides available to you at no charge, you can maximize your harvest and investment. And the best part? All orders ship within 24 hours. So head over to OrganicaSeed.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com today. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta cytosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We continue. Daniel Aaron Dilger, Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And so here's the situation here. Microsoft... Are they, and you have an article about this, but it really is interesting. Microsoft used to have a system, and I don't know, I guess it's technically still in effect called Place for Sure, where they'd license the technology for music players to different companies. And it went nowhere, so that's why they decided to create their own ecosystem, trying to be kind of like Apple with iTunes and the iPod, for the Zoom, which went nowhere. And now, of course, Microsoft has these agreements with companies like HTC and LG selling 
Windows Phone 7, but doing nothing. You know, maybe selling a couple of million licenses with all these companies, or at least shipping. We don't know how many they sold. And now they go into bed with Nokia, giving them billions of dollars. Now, how do these other companies, how are they going to feel being treated this way? You know, they're also RANs now. They're not getting billions of dollars from Microsoft, are they? No. So what, what Microsoft is doing, I mean, Microsoft is running into a problem. Remember, with Windows Mobile, they, they just kept rehashing and rehashing and rehashing and just looked more and more desperate and it was just failing more and more as the iPhone kept growing. And last year, they announced this plan to, to, to kind of reboot Windows Mobile as Windows Phone, Windows Phone 7. And when they finally got it to launch, it just, like, flopped at launch. And it's not really done. I mean, there's a lot of things that they need to add to it and finish before it's going to be able to really say we're kind of on the level of the iPhone. Well, you know, there's a statement from Steve Ballmer at Microsoft saying, don't worry, we'll have a better version soon. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a clip they play in every conversation. How many times have that record been replayed? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft always says two years out. In the mobile industry, it's always been one year out, but then usually they cancel it and restart something new. But so Microsoft is really facing some difficult problems in in finishing WP7. So they want to work with Nokia on it and integrate it into their phone. So, I mean, Nokia already has phones and I'm not an expert in, you know, phone integration. So I don't know how, how difficult it is. I mean, in, in the, Windows world, a Windows phone and an Android phone are basically the same thing. It's kind of like a PC design. How different Nokia's hardware is to run Symbian, I I don't know. I don't imagine that it would be that difficult. They're talking about being able to create products by the end of the year. I mean, that that's kind of their their hope. They're not saying we're going to do it. They're saying we would we would like to be able to do this. Well, you know what? Also, what they've just done, it's kind of like what if Apple announced the next iPad? And they say the next iPad, we're announcing it today. It's not like, of course, you know, with the original iPhone announced six months in advance because there was no predecessor. There was no existing model. But if Apple says today, we're going to have a new iPad, but it's going to ship in April, guess what's going to happen to the sales of all the existing iPads? Well, you know, nobody's going to buy it. Well, people will buy it, but, you know, sales will be gutted by quite a bit. So this announcement saying at the end of the year, and we're February already, or maybe next year or whatever, we're going to sport Windows Phone 7 on our Nokia smartphones. So what happens to sales of existing product? Yeah, and it's almost even worse than that because, you know, everyone anticipates Apple to come out with a new thing. So, like, right now, a lot of people who are considering an iPad would think, well, maybe I should wait. Or like you're saying, you know, I, I want to get a new iPhone, but maybe I should wait for the next one to see what's going on. Um, so that's kind of always a factor. But what Microsoft and Nokia both are doing is saying – We've got stuff in the pipeline that's going to be so much better than the junk we have now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really really laying it out to the point where it's like, why would you buy a Windows Phone, Windows Phone 7 device now before you see what Nokia is doing? And, and why, why would you buy, buy any Nokia phone? smartphone now? Exactly. You see, it's a, obviously the difference here is, yes, you know that Apple has certain product refresh cycles and you can prepare for them. But you know that when it comes and when the announcement comes, if there's an existing model, you won't have to wait long for the new model. It's not suddenly sales are not going to just drop off. This is part of the price of 
being in technology, you know what they're doing, and you can pretty well guess when new products will come out. This is not, you know, so if Elton John says, Sir Elton John says that the iPad 2 will be out in April. Wow, gosh, golly, gee whiz, that's a real revelation to me. But when you do what Microsoft and Nokia are doing here, how many millions or billions of dollars of sales are going down the tubes because of this? It's downright stupid as far as I'm concerned. And also when you, I mean, there are, there are points in a company's life when they realize that what they have is just not working out. And it would be better to actually say, okay, we're not even going to sell this. We're going to work on the next thing. That's kind of what Steve Jobs did, you know, back in the day. You know, they're saying our hardware is not selling. We're just going to make it a software thing. And he just yanked hardware production. Microsoft could be forgiven for saying, yeah, we're, we're, we obviously flopped on launch. We're going to like make a 2.0. But at the same time, Nokia is still talking about how they're going to release their next Mego device. It's kind of the experimental thing to shake up the market. And it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> You're going to make a dead-end product that you know has no future and expect people to buy it? <laughs> you know, this is like, it's just so nutty. No, this is a big Let's problem. Let's see what it does. Here, sure. <laughs> what a mess. Okay, so now we have this happening. And the other question I have is, if it's so easy to install this operating system on a phone, why does it take... 10 months to a year or more to do it. I mean, if you have HTC selling basically the same product for Windows Phone 7 or Android OS, shouldn't it be like a blackboard? You change a couple of switches out and you have a new phone? Well, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with the Windows Phone 7 spec. Um, Microsoft used to have kind of a general um, product guide of how to, how to build Windows Windows mobile devices, and there was a lot of variety. And they started realizing this is kind of difficult to support. And so for the next one, we're going to make it like the iPhone, where everyone has to look exactly the same. There has to be the same buttons. They have to be labeled the same. Um, they can only have, you know, it, it's quite regulated. So there's not a whole bunch of different Windows Phone 7s. There's like one design, pretty much. And so for Nokia, I mean, they kind of have to follow the same sort of design guidelines, or at least diverge from them in a way that's that's documented in a way they can manage. Because otherwise it's going to run into the same problem that Android has, where you just have like so many different things. And, and Google's saying, oh, we want to be open to everything, and you know, choice is great. That's the place for your message, that just go nuts, hardware makers, do whatever you can imagine, and we're going to support it in the software. Well, that's really difficult to do. And you know, people criticize Apple for not doing one of each, you know, why, why isn't there a, a keyboard phone? Why isn't there one of these? Why don't you have a big screen, a small screen, and everything? And it's like, to start out, you have to have some measure of, um, you have to have a platform that people can target, developers, to build software. If you make it so difficult to reach the installed base, you're just fractionalizing your platform to the point where developers can't put out a software app that everyone that buys this device can use. On Android, you can't. I mean, people keep talking about how big Android is, and it's like, well, if you really look at the number of people that are on the latest OS, it's not that big. So if you want to come out with a new app that takes advantage of all the features, you can only target half of the active population, according to Google stats of, of who's running the latest OS. And that doesn't change rapidly because it's really difficult to roll out new OS updates for Android. So when Google comes out with a new update... Even people who want to install it can't do it because they're waiting for their carrier and their hardware maker to create the package for them. And the issue here also is it's not plain vanilla Android. Each carrier, 
each handset maker may customize it to their own needs. So it's not just taking the build and basically deploying it. It is taking that build and then changing it to add their own customization, testing it, then deploying it. And even then they might not because they see there's no profit in it. Yeah, and that, that has been taking like two months in the best cases to as much as six months. So, I mean, that's forever in a hardware release, software release. So if, you, if Google releases something and it takes six months for, the, for it to come out to the phones, and like you're saying, a lot of phones are just never going to get updated because the, de- the developer sees no point in, in doing it. Well, the problem is these updates aren't just minor updates. They're updates to the API so that if you write an app that, that requires Android 2.2, it's not going to run on 2.1 phones. So you have to decide, do I want to write to an old API and be able to run on more phones, but maybe have some problems that were fixed in 2.2? Or do I want to write to the new API and only be able to work on a few phones and confuse everybody else? We'll get back to confusion and more with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard 
standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Returning with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we kind of segued from the situation with Nokia and Microsoft or Nokisoft or Microkia, whatever it is called these days. We have that combination, and then we have the situation with the Android OS. Now, do we think then that Nokia was totally desperate to fall into the lap of Microsoft? I mean, they're basically ceding a lot of their control over their platform. Well, I mean, there, there, was some, there is some desperation on both sides of the Microsoft-Nokia aisle. But there's something that Microsoft gives Nokia that Android or the, you know, Google's platform isn't going to, and that's billions of dollars. I mean, Nokia has been really straightforward. I mean, after it happened, a lot, of, a lot of Google supporters were like, why aren't you using this free software that's just free? And for Google, I mean, one of the comments I made is Google has already spent several years – trying to lead Symbian as an open-source platform. And while there are some advantages of Android over Symbian, why would a company that's running its own open-source project want to turn around, kind of admit failure, and then become sort of a minority player in a platform that is already has a head start to its existing licensees? That doesn't make too much sense. Whereas with Windows Phone 7, they have... No competition, <laughs> because nobody, I mean, there's people that are making phones, but they're not selling any, so they can kind of stand out. And the and other question also, is, the other companies, LG, HTC, etc., what are they saying? Are they going to say, you know what, why are we involved in this mess if Nokia is going to get all the major emphasis in terms of advertising and development dollars? You would think so. But you would also think that any company that's planning to partner with Microsoft would, you know, flick through the history book a little bit and realize that every company that Microsoft has ever partnered with in this, in this kind of partnership, it is either destroyed or it has led along and backstabbed. <laughs> I mean, Microsoft does not have a history of 
partnering in a way that's beneficial to the partner. I mean, they have so much control that if you're partnering with Microsoft, it means, you know, in a best case scenario, they're going to put some money in your company and you're going to walk away with some money. That's the best you can hope for. And in the, in the you know, smartphone business, they've already destroyed their previous acquisition in, in just a humiliating sort of way. I mean, Danger was kind of a good platform. Now, Danger, let's understand. A, Danger had this phone that was sold by T-Mobile called the Sidekick. Yeah, but Danger kinda, has been kind of parceled up. So Danger in part becomes Android and in part becomes part of Microsoft, right? Well, the, the kind of founding members of Danger moved on to create Android, which was later bought by Google, so they're kind of they're kind of sister platforms. I mean, kind of, there's kind of some similarity. I mean, they're basically Java running on on a kernel. So Google took it and changed Java enough to where they didn't think they have to license it from Sun. And that's of course, what ask Android. Oracle; they may have another opinion about that. Yeah, yeah, Oracle's not happy about that. Whereas Microsoft took Danger and wanted to basically take their business model and or kind of a cloud oriented texting device and retrofit it with Windows, which turned into the kin, which was, you know, canceled within weeks. It, yeah. Which goes to show that you can't just market the hoo-ha out of a product and it'll get attention. People who don't like Apple keep saying, they you know, it's like, oh, Apple has crap products. And the only reason that anyone pays any attention to them is because they have all this marketing money. They throw at it and they confuse everybody. And so everybody just accidentally ends up with an Apple device. Well, if that was the case, more people should have, I mean, somebody should have bought the kin because Microsoft threw this huge event and dazzled everybody and, you know, had all the people from CNET that were saying, oh, this is the most amazing thing. It's, it's wow, crazy, in, innovative. Nobody bought it. Same thing with the Zune. You know, they, they threw these huge events for it and, and it's not just marketing. It has to be something that people actually want. And notice, by the way, the stock market has responded to Nokia and Microsoft. Microsoft lost a little bit, but then their stock market price has been stagnant. Nokia took a bit of a dump. Yeah, so people are looking at Nokia saying, why are you handing your value to Microsoft? The other question I want to ask here, does it make sense then for Microsoft to just buy Nokia lock, stock, and barrel? It has a market cap, Nokia, of, as we talk, something between 33 and $34 billion dollars. So you think, you know, based on all the figures, Microsoft could probably buy them, you know, finance part of it, fund part of it with stock. Microsoft has no interest in buying Nokia, and they made that very clear. Um, Nokia also is kind of two companies. I mean, they have like their, their devices and services. I mean, they may have some other stuff, too. They have their devices and services, which is smartphone-related, and they also have a um, or phone-related and they also have a big networking thing. They, they, they either partnered or kind of merged with a big chunk of Siemens. And they just recently, I don't know if they've actually finished it, but they're buying up the non-smartphone part of Motorola, the networking gear. So they have a huge network business. I mean, it's, it's vast. Nokia is quite a big company in addition to just phones. And Microsoft has no interest in any of that. All they want to do is put their their software on hardware so that they will have a mobile platform that exists because right now they don't really and the question is also they're throwing they say billions of dollars the way of nokia so they're not going to make a profit now or ever or at least for a number of years oh yeah i mean they they weren't going to so i mean what what they're 
how they're describing it is that it's like this joint production. So that they're working with Nokia to actually make a viable platform. So, I mean, that, that's, uh, you can look at it and say, oh, this is stupid, but it's actually, you know, of all the options they have, they don't have a lot of options. I mean, if you're Microsoft and you've just reinvented your dying smartphone phone platform with a version that's even deader, you don't really have a lot of options to say, we're going to do this instead. And it's kind of a coup for Microsoft to take over the biggest hardware maker. I would like to see a breakdown of, of Nokia's phones because you can, you, we have companies like Gardner telling us how many phones they make and how many smartphones they make, but their definition of smartphone is so broad that it isn't really their smartphone business. I would like to see how much of the iPhone-like phones that Nokia actually makes. The question I have here, the definition of a smartphone, what is a smartphone? Anything that has a screen on it a little bit beyond the basic contact list and the basic simple web access? I think the usual definition is they say it's a phone running a recognizable operating system and, and ability to run apps, which is part of the reason why when the iPhone first came out, there were, there were all these people saying, oh, I don't think it's a smartphone <laughs> because it didn't have an app market. And then, you know, in a year they turned around and made an app market that made everybody else's apps look just like ridiculous. And since then, I mean, at first they tried to say the, the iPhone wasn't a smartphone. Now they're trying to say a smartphone is kind of everything that that isn't just an embedded nothing you know feature phone that doesn't really do anything well you know you can take your basic feature phone and it has a contact list it sort of has web access it sort of has applications available for it so therefore every phone is a smartphone well there's a lot of phones kind of in the middle and i don't know how many of those are counted so for example lg makes that um what do they call it the envy and the rumor the, the phones are they're on sprint a lot and they have like a like a crappy browser, and they have sort of a touch screen that you have to push really hard, and they can run applets. So I think they're kind of considered a smartphone, but it's not it's not really in the class of what we think of as smartphones. At the same time, you have I mean like Nokia's phones, they have Symbian phones, some of which are you could say they are on the level of the iPhone, and they also have Symbian phones that are quite simple, that are kind of push button phones more like a BlackBerry. And they also have um, S40 phones that are kind of in between. They're, they run Java apps and they have like a small screen, but, you know, they're smartphones in the sense of like 2005. So it, it would be kind of nice to see a little bit more resolution in exactly what, what Nokia is selling. Because their attempts to sell high-end phones have kind of flopped. Well, here in the United States, Nokia doesn't have that much of a presence. I mean, I look on the product catalogs from, say, AT&T or even Verizon, you don't see too much from Nokia. No. No, carriers haven't shown my attention to Nokia. and uh, Nokia also is kind of tied to GSM, which kind of prevents them. I mean, that's, that's their technology that kind of prevents them from working with Verizon. And at the same time, they've now signaled an intention to work with Verizon again. I'm surprised that Verizon would. <laughs> I mean, I think Verizon said that they were going to eventually participate in Windows Phone 7. I don't know if they will now. But remember that it was just last last summer, last fall, that they came out with the Kin. And that was a partnership with Verizon and Microsoft. And, and 
Microsoft blew it and made Verizon just look ridiculous. Now, of course, and, I certainly think that after being burned by Microsoft, it's not that they're apt to want to try that again. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. A couple of more segments with Daniel. We start out covering this strange alliance between Nokia and Microsoft, maybe a move of desperation. So in the end... What are we going to see at the end of 2011 or 2012? We're going to see these Nokia smartphones with Windows Phone 7 that won't go anywhere? Well, um, it'll be interesting to see who adopts it because there really isn't there really isn't a significant market of people who are excited enough about Microsoft to buy any of their stuff, as is pointed out by the Zoom and the Kin and Windows Phone 7. There's not that many people that are just going to buy Microsoft stuff just because it is there. So if they can deliver a really good product, they can maybe find a, an audience beyond this very small number of people who are going to just buy it no matter what. So it's kind of upon them to make a good product. In the general market, it's going to be hard for them to deliver something that's competitive against all the Android licensees and the iPhone. In going in their favor... Microsoft has tons of cash, so it's not like a, a you know like a Palm situation where they have this product that they just can't get to the channel because they don't have enough money to push it. And Nokia has incredible clout, so they're kind of in the same position of Apple in terms of you know Apple can go and just buy three billion dollars of screens or whatever it was four billion dollars. They're talking about buying $7 billion of stuff from Samsung. There's not a whole lot of companies on earth that can just write a check for something X billion dollars to make sure that they have access to the components that are going to make the devices that people want. Nokia is kind of in that area, certainly with Microsoft's money behind it. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of puts both Nokia and Microsoft back in the game. Whether or not they can play is still waiting to be determined. And the question is then, of course, if you're dealing with 2011 or even 2012, especially if they miss the holiday season and they start fresh in 2012, 
Well, suddenly, you know, then maybe they'll show it off at the Consumer Electronics Show in 2012. But then you already have brand new iPhone, zillions of brand new models. Did I say zillions? From all the other companies with Android. So Microsoft, again, is going to be giving you the features from last year, next year. And a couple years behind because, I mean, the other thing that Microsoft doesn't have, I mean, Microsoft and Nokia both have pretty weak media services, like on the level of iTunes, and not really an app store. And these are all kind of things that, that hold each other up. So you can't, like, do one and then and it's not like spinning plates where you, you do one and then you focus on another one while you spin the plate. You kind of have to do all these things at once because Apple already has it in place. Well, you see, it's not like the old days of the PC world where Microsoft had dominance and could hold off other companies from switching by promising we're going to make it better because, after a while, all you had left was Apple. That's it. Yeah, I mean, they really have a lot to deliver, so it'll be interesting to see what, what they're able to do. At the same time, there's some interesting, fascinating rumors coming afoot about the next iPhone, but maybe also, and the Wall Street Journal is reporting this, and so is Bloomberg News. And usually when people like that come out with a story, there's more providence to it than just any other site. Suddenly, you know, it's got authority. Maybe Apple's feeding this information. Maybe Apple did it, of course, I was suggesting, just because of the Mobile World Congress to get the publicity moved away from Mobile World and towards Apple again. Talking about a smaller iPhone. So, Daniel Aaron Dilger, should or could Apple make a smaller iPhone and have it make a difference? Well, the, the stated intent of the smaller iPhone is not just to be smaller, but also to be cheaper. So, it's, it's, seems kind of like the strategy of when, when Apple first came out with the iPod, they, they worked on the iPod for a couple of years first to establish it as kind of the hard drive player and kind of ignored the, the cheap flash-based players around it. Then they came out with the iPod Mini that took on that, that lower-end market. And then, of course, that's branched out. Now they have like several different versions of, of cheaper iPods. So that would make a lot of sense to come out with a, a cheaper version to make sure that they don't see the entire market of lower-end phones, both here and in other places. Because right now, the only the only iPhone 4 you can get is starts off at $200 when you set it up. Some people, can, that's a barrier for. So if you have a cheaper phone, on AT&T, they sell the, the older iPhone 3GS for $49, or I think there's a refurbished one for $19. But if they have a slick, smaller phone, that would make it more broadly available to the low end in the West and also make it easier to sell in other countries. Because there's vast markets outside the U.S. for phones on that, on that order, if you have a, a cheaper phone. Okay, so how do you cheapen it? I mean, do you make a smaller screen? Well, maybe that saves, what, 5 $10 or across the product, you use older hardware, lesser powered hardware. In other words, you basically can take the guts of, say, the iPhone 3GS, the older generation, and, you know, with economies of scale, a smaller screen, et cetera, et cetera, you bring it down to a lower retail price. What do you do? How do you cheapen it without taking away the value and the elegance of the user interface? I mean, the screen's small now. How small can you make it? Well, you can use a smaller screen. You could even potentially use a lower end screen. You could use an, an iPhone 3GS type screen, that that small, that lower resolution screen, on a smaller screen would would look sharper than 
I mean, it would look not as bad. So that's ways that the companies now make cheaper phones. You can leave some of the memory off. There was this rumor that Apple would have a phone with no memory, which doesn't really make sense. But you could certainly sell a phone that had 8 gigs as opposed to like 16 or 32 on the high end. They, they already do that with the their other devices. So, I mean, there's, there's a number of ways you could cheapen the device. And, you know, you could also offer it a lower at a lower price that figures in a lower profit. Because Apple's been kind of aggressively pushing prices down that way. Well, if you but can it build it for the same price as the iPhone 3GS, it's a $49 phone. You know, so you say, I can get a free phone or I can get an iPhone. Today's iPhone, a current 2011 model, by this summer and pay $49, that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, and, and the components are all, also going down, too. So I would guess that rather than using old parts, they would use the same parts, maybe like clock down so they could use like the chips that won't work at full speed. And that economies of scale would make their whole product line cheaper. So if you're selling extra, you know, an extra 10 million of these small phones, it makes the high-end phones even cheaper because you're getting a better deal on components. So that, that gives you a trade-off between, that allows you to, to have a lower margin or, or to have at the same margin because your prices are going down. But start off, you kind of aim at a lower margin and you actually becomes a wash. It becomes okay because your components are getting cheaper. Okay, so we have a three and a half inch screen now. We get three inches maybe. Is that a little bit too small or is that adequate? Somebody did a mock-up that appeared on my stories in the comments. And we should publish it in the story so that people can see it more broadly. But it was kind of interesting that they kind of depicted the same iPhone 4 design with a 4-inch screen in it that goes edge-to-edge. That was, that was one of the comments in the Wall Street Journal article is that the screen is edge-to-edge and edge, you know, it doesn't have a margin around it. So you can put a bigger screen in the flagship iPhone 5 model and then in the iPhone 5 mini model, you could put in a smaller screen on a smaller device. And they made some comment about it being half as big, but that that doesn't really, you can't really make the phone half as big, I don't think. I know the report said a third the size or something like that. I think a third less. Yeah. Which might make more sense. I mean, I guess there are ways you have the overhang beyond the screen at top and bottom and you know, a little bit of refinement of the buttons, maybe smaller parts inside. You can see maybe it's a third smaller and maybe it weighs a few ounces less. Right, so you could scale it down a little bit, and, and um, there's, there's a number of ways you could drop the price and create kind of a differentiation between a bigger model and a smaller model. And that's kind of the same thing that HP is doing. You know, when they released their, their web OS line, they came out with a high-end phone, and now they have a little mini phone. So, And there was another point that we're going to go into in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. 
Hey Neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalhealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. I'm Roger Rao at Midas Resources. If you are going through a financial roller coaster because of your investment in stocks, bonds, and other paper assets, perhaps you're ready for a change. You have an opportunity to change your financial security. Get the stability and peace of mind you deserve by investing in precious metals. Gold and silver have been a form of wealth protection for over 5,000 years all over the world. If you have seen your hard-earned money lose value because of inflation, sliding dollar, etc., it's time you stop the bleeding. The answer to your problems is simple. Gold and silver will protect your assets and your purchasing power. Physical possession of precious metals, IRA rollover, etc. Call me, Roger Rao, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Take action today when we are still accepting paper dollars for gold and silver. Ready for a change? Call Roger Rao at 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. Again, it's 1-800-686-2237, extension 178. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafeone.com that's b-i-o-s-a-f-e-o-n-e.com biosafeone.com or call toll free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed bio-friendly money-saving way to clean your septic system America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from 
TechNightAll.com slash radio. That's TechNightAll.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. A few minutes left with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And let's bring up this issue here. You mentioned it before. Edge-to-edge screen, a few refinements, suddenly the 3.5-inch display. On the iPhone 5, may become a 4-inch display. So without really increasing the size all that much, you get a 4-inch version, you got a 3-inch version. So is that what we're talking about here? That would sound reasonable. Kind of creates a differentiation between the two. People can decide whether they want a bigger screen or smaller device or what appeals to them. Okay, but... As far as usability, which is so important, well, obviously the larger screen is great, but the smaller screen, that half inch, does that sacrifice usability much? Or is it by taking the older resolution of the older iPhone display, shrinking it a little bit with the same number of pixels, you get a pretty good screen? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a threshold to how far you can shrink the screen. I mean, you can't just like, indefin- you can't cut it in half. I mean... The- when people were talking, when Steve Jobs was talking about the difference between the iPad and seven-inch screens, a seven-inch screen is not just—I mean, it's not just three inches smaller. It's forty-five percent of the size. So I mean, that's that's a huge difference in size. If you compare the two together, I mean, one it just like it's it just crushes it down, and it gets to the point where you can't have you can't really target things with your finger very well. And so I can- noticed the successor, I guess, to the. Galaxy Tab from Samsung is 10.1 inches. Yeah. So if you if you scale down too much, it's not going to be workable. But you know, changing things by half an inch is not huge. Would not seem to be a huge difference. Okay. Now let's look at the other direction. We have the iPod Shuffle. So some are suggesting you know Apple goes all the way, and they make an iPhone Shuffle, which would be basically a feature phone. But very simple, minimalist feature phone with the elegance of the Apple user interface. But it's just a phone. It's just a basic contact list. No web access. None of the extras. Just the phone. Feature restricted, free with a two-year contract. Do you think people would buy up on that? Well, it would kind of undermine Apple's app model. Yeah, well, I'm, we're talking about like a totally different, almost a totally different concept here. Yeah. Right. So, on the, on the iPod, I mean, they already have an iPod lineup that the iPod Nanos have never run apps. So, the new iPod Nano sort of looks like an iOS device, but it's not really, and it doesn't really run apps. But it has a kind of interface where you push buttons. It kind of looks the same. When they did that, they didn't cut off a chunk of devices that could run apps and make them cheaper. They took a device that could never run apps and made it look kind of more like their iPods that, that can run apps without actually running apps. The difference would be if they do that with the iPhone, all the iPhones now run apps. So if you come up with a new like low-end phone that doesn't run apps, you're suddenly creating a new market within the iPhone for phones that don't run apps, which doesn't seem like a good strategy right now. Maybe in the, you know, in the distant future when you have kind of saturated the market and are looking for new things you can do. But Apple's certainly not in that place right now. They can't build enough phones. So why would you focus on kind of destroying your own infrastructure? Because Apple isn't really in the business of making lots of phones, and certainly not trying to find new phones that have less profit that they can build. They can, they can right now focus on just making the phones that they have. 
because they're having problems making enough phones to meet demand. So when you're in that position, you don't come out with a phone that competes against your existing phones and starts basically turning your users into non-app users. So you want to have, I mean, right now, Apple can differentiate. They can make it like a, a cheaper version and a nicer version, and they're both going to run apps because Apple really needs, I mean, that's that's a differentiating, differentiating feature of the iPhone is that it, that it all runs these apps. And that's what attracts developers. So if they start making phones that don't run apps, then there's less interest. I mean, there's less need for developers to support the platform. Except for the fact that the people who are going to buy an iPhone with the apps are going to buy it anyway. This is to reach the people who would never care about apps. They just want a phone. Yeah, it's not clear how many of those people there are that are going to pay a premium to get a, a phone. We're not talking about a premium. A phone like that is free with a service contract. There's no premium involved. You see what I'm saying? You're not paying a premium. It'd be equivalent to the to the basic feature phone you get free with your two-year contract. That's what it would be. Something that instead of getting, you know, a, a Samsung or an LG, you get an Apple. Yeah, it doesn't run apps, but you're not buying a phone that runs apps. You want to buy a phone that runs apps, you may have several choices. You may have still a lower-end iPhone, as we're talking about, an iPhone Nano, but you still have the phone for the people who don't fit into that category. They don't care about the apps. They just want to make phone calls, period. Well, well I would think that because every choice you have, you make you know, kills some opportunities for other choices. So if Apple had only one choice for creating a new phone that didn't run apps, then that would be a, you know, a plausible strategy. But they can already make a smaller phone that runs apps. So by doing that strategy, they can continue to expand, reach the people who want a free phone. People who don't want to run apps can still buy it. <laughs> they, just, they just don't have to use the features. Whereas if you create kind of a, a low-end phone with, you know, that's neutered, you're only kind of hurting your own platform because some of those people would have bought apps otherwise. Well, so the question is here, of course, it. can you take this iPhone Nano or whatever it is, can you bring it down to $49? Because $49 is so much closer to free that people would be willing to pay a tiny amount of money. $49, maybe $29? Well, okay, you're talking about why take the free phone when I can get an iPhone for this amount? A current model. Well, the current, the current iPhone costs around $625, and it's being sold, subsidized for in the U.S. for $200. Exactly. So we're having, you have to shave $150 or $200 off the cost of each one in terms of selling it to the dealer. Well, the story is talking about a, a two to $300 small, small iPhone. So that could be subsidized to, down to free. So that's, that's the goal of it. And this is not this kind of report and the sources that's coming from is one of those reports that's it's not really rumor. It sounds like it's seeded by Apple. So. When it's in the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg News, you almost know it. When it comes yeah. the same week as the Mobile World Congress, it's Apple upstaging them. Exactly. So you kind of have to take it seriously. I mean, yeah, it could still be a trial balloon. But you kind of have to take it seriously because, you know, it's not... And we realize that AppleInsider.com, for sites that publish rumors, tends to be pretty responsible about it. But still, if it's the Wall Street Journal... You know, you say, wow, that's going to have some providence to it. Daniel Aaron Dilger, where do we find more of the things that you write about? I write for Roughly Drafted, RoughlyDrafted.com, and Apple Insider. Any big stories you're working on for this week that our listeners want to check out? 
Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he doesn't want to tell us. You know, check it roughlydrafted.com or appleinsider.com. And part of the reason, of course, is sometimes the news of the day supplants a story and you have to kind of change your gears a little bit to cover it. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many files formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Men. 
Take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta-cytosterol and soft palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. As we join Kirk McElhern from his palatial shack in the French Alps. You know, seriously, ladies and gentlemen, I have been joking about Kirk's home Ever since, for years. St- yeah, for years, you know, he still gets very sick of it. And this time when we connected by Skype, he had his camera on so I could actually see his office and his view. He has a beautiful view of the French Alps. It's worth buying his house just for the view. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, when you're in the mountains, it's hard to have a, a bad view, I think. As we drive around the area here from one town to another, obviously, you can be, you can be in some places where you've got. Uh, you don't have a nice line of sight or whatever, but the mountains around here are relatively steep. So unless you're in the, 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 the deepest part of a valley, you always have a pretty nice view. I do not so like to drive in the hills, though. You know, I don't Sorry. like driving in mountainous regions. I know if you go from, say, Phoenix, Arizona to Flagstaff or to Sedona, you're driving around these huge mountains. You think if I lose control of the car, I go down 5,000 feet. That's it for me. Yeah, it can be a little scary. My wife does the mountain driving, and she kind of likes it. The roads around here are pretty good. We've we've got some very small roads sometimes that we go on, but eh, you know it's it's exciting in a certain way. So if we <laughs> if, visit if you, you, Kirk, if, you if we visit you, what's going to happen is I will close my eyes, and your wife will drive. Yeah, if you want to have an idea of what it's like, what you need to do is watch the Tour de France when it comes through the Alps. They come right in front of my house every couple of years. We're on a road that goes up to a, a climb that they take often. But just you can see about the speed that they go. It's about the speed that you normally drive in a car here. Um, you know, Not when they're going uphill, obviously, because they're going very slow. But when they're going downhill, they get around 90 or 100 kilometers. And that's the general speed you drive here. So that gives you an idea. You can see how wide the roads are. Um, you can see what it looks like if you look over the edge and all that. But it, you get used to it. We've been here 11 years. At first, it was a little bit hair-raising to me driving around some of these roads, but I've gotten used to it over time. I should point out that when he says 100 kilometers an hour, that's 62 miles an hour for those of us in the United States. Yeah, that's 60, pretty fast. 66, roughly. Pretty fast. But, but I'll tell yes, you what, we didn't call on him to do a travelogue. That's for the Discovery Channel or the Travel Channel. Instead, you know, this week Apple announces 
its in-app subscription service. And I'm looking, and it looks like just about everybody who has said anything about it doesn't like it. So would you explain the background? What is this subscription service, and what's wrong with it? Well, saying wrong with it assumes that there's something wrong with it right away. So let's maybe just start about what is a subscription service. Um, Apple, until now, if you wanted to buy a magazine via an app in the App Store, you would say download um, Wired's application for your iPad, and then you would make an in-app purchase at a ridiculous price. I think it was 5 or $6 um, for an issue of the magazine. Now, given that a Wired subscription costs generally 12 bucks a year in the U.S., um, you were paying for three issues of iPad versions the cost of um, a year's subscription. And, and the magazine people didn't want to sell, didn't want to make just unit sales because they know that um, all the numbers they've seen have been sharp drop-offs. When the first magazines came out, I think it was Wired and Popular Science were the first two, and they had huge sales of their first issues and huge drop-offs in issues two and three after that. Because um, people realized, people well, realized then, why am I spending five bucks an issue for an online version? Well, it's not only that. They were buying them originally as a novelty. They wanted to see what these things were like and what they could do. Um, so magazines, they want customers who are committed, and that's the whole principle of subscriptions. The same with newspapers. Basically, they wanted a way to offer subscriptions so people would get their copies of the magazines automatically. Um, and it would be just like a normal magazine subscription where at the end of the year you would decide whether you want to resubscribe, and they'd have committed customers over a long period of time. Um, Single-issue sales are equivalent to newsstand sales, which for most magazines are relatively small compared to their overall sales. So Apple introduced a system um, whereby magazines can offer subscriptions. And, well, there was a lot of noise about this because Apple is taking the same 30% cut on these subscriptions that they're taking for everything else they sell, music, videos, applications, and, and all the rest, through their online stores. Now, I don't understand why so many people complained about this, yet they didn't complain when Amazon announced that they were taking 30% plus bandwidth costs for subscriptions to periodicals that they sold for the Kindle. Now, this is, what, a year and a half ago that they started doing this. And there weren't a lot of complaints about this then, yet all of a sudden the blogosphere was up in arms that Apple was gouging and taking 30% and greedy and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's kind of confusing why people treat Apple differently than other companies. Well, isn't um, that always the case that Apple never gets a pass? They do things everybody else does, but because they are Apple, they must be perfect. They can't do anything that might be controversial, that might have a gray area. It has to be either good or it has to be bad. Yeah, it used to be Microsoft that got that all the time, but now it's Apple because Apple's in a dominant position, even even though market share isn't anywhere near Microsoft's, but in terms of profit and, and market capitalization and all that. So a lot of people complain, and it, it's interesting. Look, look at the 30%. One reporter for a national newspaper, well, the local newspaper distributed nationally, had an article and comparing it to the cost of cashing a check or sending money through PayPal, claiming that all Apple was doing was basically taking a payment and passing it on to the magazine. Well, this isn't really true. Apple is providing the files, 
Um, Apple's providing a number of things. First of all, they're providing a secure environment. And I think this is the biggest thing that's going to make this system work. People don't want to go on to 20 different websites and give their money 20 different times. The idea of having a single location that's centralized that you can trust with a certain uh, to a certain level. The fact that the iTunes store is not a website, so you can't get caught by phishing, that you go through an application. The, the fact that all your updates to applications will come at the same, in the same place, all your updates will come automatically through the iTunes store um, for the new issues of the magazines or the newspapers, it means that it really simplifies things. So Apple's 30% is paying, first of all, for payment processing. Second of all, for file management, taking the files from the publishers, wrapping them in whatever DRM, putting them on their server, and pushing them out to people. This is, you know, this is a pretty huge process. If you can imagine a magazine with, I don't know, let's be optimistic, a couple hundred thousand subscribers, that's a lot of files. Um, some of these files are going to be pretty big, tens of megabytes. So we're talking a lot of, about a lot of bandwidth. But third, Apple is selling a secure environment and a trusted environment to users. So I think that I know that the magazines would be happier if Apple were only taking 20%. I think 30% isn't necessarily an exaggeration. It's in the lines of what the market is doing. It's technically cheaper than Amazon because Amazon was also charging for bandwidth. Um, you know, it's a free market, and if the magazines don't want to do it, they won't. And if Apple doesn't sell a lot of subscriptions, then maybe they'll lower the prices. Who knows? Well, this is the big point of view here. The other thing is that Apple has it set up so that if you offer your own subscription to your own site, you have to allow Apple to sell it for the same price. Isn't that part of it? Yeah, if, if you're offering, no, I think if you're offering it through the application, if the application is providing access to a subscription um, and you sell it at the same, at, at, on your own site, you have to offer it through your application at the same price or less than the price on your website. So basically, they're saying to magazines and newspapers, you can't undercut us by charging 30% less on your website or the the, uh, the inverse would be you can't charge 30% more for sales you're making through your in-app subscription. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. He writes Take Control books, writes for Macworld magazine. Coming up more on the other side, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, 
rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power, but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig, for today's modern smoker. Most of us eat a blend of processed, man-made, and all-natural food. But the food you eat may not provide all the nutrition your body needs. We now know that liquid vitamin supplements are absorbed faster than pills. That's why you need C-Energy from AffinityCEnergy.com. Sea vegetation is known to be the richest source of organic minerals, and that's what you'll find in all-natural, great-tasting Sea Energy. Sea Energy contains aloe vera, black cherry, cranberry, and pomegranate juices, plus ginseng, cat's claw, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and over 50 trace minerals needed for healthy metabolism, all from natural organic sea plant sources. Get a 10% discount by using promo code GCN at checkout when you order Sea Energy from AffinitySeaEnergy.com. Call 855-732-3637. That's 855-732-3637. Or go to AffinitySeaEnergy.com today. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're starting off about Apple's subscription service. Of course, the new publication from News Corporation, which, of course, runs Fox News, 20th Century Fox, Movie Studios, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post. They got this publication, The Daily which will be available by subscription. So Apple, of course, has to offer a subscription service not just for News Corporation, but for anybody else. The New York Times, 
Time Magazine, whoever, you have a subscription service, but there are pluses and minuses. So is the publishing industry complaining about this deal? It's interesting. They don't seem to be saying very much, and I think they're they're being very diplomatic um, in not saying they, they may be complaining behind closed doors, but they're not complaining publicly yet. It's journalists who are complaining. It's the usual tech journalists and blogosphere who's complaining about the 30% cut. Um, I, I predicted before the iPad came out that the iPad could be a way to save publishing. I don't mean save, you know, necessarily 100%, but to help cut the decline in readers that publications are having by providing a new reading experience. I can read the New York Times on a website, but I'd be very interested in getting it in a daily format on my iPad that I can read, that I can go through linear, in a linear fashion. I'm old and I'm used to reading in a linear fashion. Um, I use RSS and Twitter and I use websites directly, but there's something about the way information is packaged um, in, a, in a daily or a weekly publication that I think is far better than what you get just by flitting around. I think a lot of people are going to think like this. If the prices are right, people will pay, I don't know, 50 bucks a year for the New York Times. Would that be fair? I, I don't think that I'd pay an awful lot for any magazine. I certainly wouldn't pay more than what I do for a subscription. Um, yeah, that's part of the thing that I worry about with Wired Magazine. Wired Magazine is selling you the magazine at basically the newsstand price for an online version. And this is maybe one of the issues where after people satisfied their curiosity, they said, no, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to spend $5 every week for this magazine or every month or every two months, however often any particular magazine comes out. Now, the deal with the daily is 99 cents a week, really cheap. Imagine getting your local daily newspaper for 99 cents a week. Usually it's, what, 5 or $10 or something like that. Now, it would be $40 a year if you decide to order for a full year. That's a pretty good deal. If you buy it weekly, you can always cancel. You can say, I don't want this anymore. But that's cheap, cheaper than a single daily edition of a newspaper. I don't know about France. So your newspapers are compared to what it costs in America for a daily newspaper. What does it cost in France? Um, about two bucks. It's pretty expensive here. The, the newspaper industry has been moribund for years in France. Um, the, the What's called the newspaper of record, Le Monde, has, if I'm not mistaken, about 250,000 readers. Um, this is a national newspaper in a country of 65 million people. Uh, 250,000 readers is a drop in the bucket. Um, All right. Well, the United States is five times as large, I guess, in terms of population. So if a newspaper here has a circulation of one and a half million, that would be the equivalent. That's not bad. Well, yeah, but you're talking about newspapers that are local in the United States. The New York Times is, is, a, is an exception because it's a combination of a local and a national paper. Um, the only real national paper in the U.S. is what, USA Today? Well, the Wall Street Journal is regarded as a national newspaper. And the okay, circulation it's, it's is higher totally- for the Wall Street Journal. We're talking about, I guess, in the range of two and a half to three million. It's not that much more. Yeah, but it's a business paper, so it doesn't address the, the broader, you know, readership. Okay, it, it, point so taken, but the consideration here is, does this new technique, subscribing, we presume at a much lower price because the publisher is guaranteed a specific mm-hmm. amount of income, is this going to work the way Apple has it set up? 
Yeah, that's well. That's what we're going to see. Um, first, the first question is, what are the prices? Um, is it going to be substantially cheaper than print editions? And we don't know that for yet. The second question is, what about people who already subscribe to a print subscription for a magazine? I get the New Yorker. Um, I'm certainly not going to pay twice to be able to read it uh, on paper and on my iPad. Now, my wife and I both read it, and she doesn't use the iPad, so it would be perfect if she could read the paper edition and I could read it on the iPad. Um, so a, a lot of this is going to depend on pricing, and I think a lot of um, magazines and newspapers are probably going to be very hesitant to be the first one out of the gate to introduce a price. If someone comes out with a price that's too cheap, well, the Daily has already started with the price of 99 cents a week, which is relatively cheap, and this sets the bar pretty low for, for a, a, a real newspaper like the New York Times. Of course, the New York Times is a real newspaper, and the Daily is the digital equivalent of something you wrap fish with. So, well, the Daily is kind of like USA Today was originally, which is kind of a short, snappy stories, that kind of thing. Well, but there's no news in it. There's maybe three news stories, and the rest is celebrity gossip and sports and crap. Um, you know, we can talk about the content of the Daily, but I think it's such a piece of crap that it's not worth uh, wasting any, you know, airtime on it. Besides, um, we already went into that just last week with Adam Inks, the Tidbits magazine. He came up with pretty much the same analysis. He was not impressed with the content, and he wasn't very impressed with the user interface. He felt it needed a lot of work. Yeah, I agree. But so what, what we're going to see is, you know, a couple of publishers are going to come out with prices, and they're going to try it, and they're going to see what happens. And prices are adjustable. They don't have to keep them. Um, you know, they're not written in stone. Um, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, you know, would be very interested in seeing Macworld offered this way, and I'm sure Macworld will be offered on a subscription basis. I have no idea when or how much it's going to cost, but, um, you know, you have to compare these to print prices, but, but then, again, you have the advantage of getting the, 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 the content automatically, so you're getting it faster. Um, you're not waiting for, for the mail to deliver a magazine or a newspaper. As I said about the New York Times, you're getting something packaged differently from a website. Um, one thing I really want is that there are no intrusive ads. If I subscribe to something and I go to a page and I get moving ads, I'm going to cancel my subscription immediately. Moving ads are evil. I hate them on the web. Uh, I use an ad blocker just basically because of that. If ads didn't move, I wouldn't use an ad blocker. All these companies use these moving ads that distract you from reading, and I simply can't read like that. So, you know, there are going to be a lot of questions of how these things are going to work. Frankly, the, the way the Daily does ads is actually quite good. They're not intrusive because they're full pages in between stories. Um, I seem to remember only a couple of small ads on story pages, so you're not distracted when you're reading, and that doesn't bother me. I wonder how they'd address not just localization. We understand it will get your location when you subscribe. You have the option of revealing your location. But how it handles things like local ads for your local car dealers or a supermarket coupon. Can you have an interactive supermarket coupon? How do you do that in an iPad app? I'm sure we. I'm sure it's possible. Um, once, if if your iPad can print now, currently your iPad can't print to a lot of things. Maybe you would enter an email address to get it sent to your computer so you can print it out. Um, you know, one of the things that publishers are not happy about with the Apple system is that Apple is leaving up to users to decide whether their personal information gets given to the publishers. Now, we all know that publishers make a lot of money off your name and address that they sell to other companies so they can send you junk mail. 
Um, under this system, I'm not sure if it's an opt-in or an opt-out, but users will be able to not to tell Apple to not give this information, and publishers will therefore um, be losing some of the revenue they get by basically you know, treating you like a piece of merchandise. Yeah, but if you go online and order something online or subscribe to a newspaper for a paid service or just access, like for the New York Times, it's free, but you have to give yourself a username and a password. But you have the opt-out. You have to have an opt-out technique there. I think that's almost required. They can't just simply grab your name and say, we'll send you anything. You have to opt-out. You have to be right. able to do that. Right. But, you know, again, this this is all new territory. Um, I think we'll see pretty quickly what's going to happen. You know, there aren't that many magazines or newspapers that really have apps that are designed for subscriptions yet. Um, Wired does. Um, I think there are a couple of magazines that are already selling subscriptions like L and, you know, non-serious magazines. Um, I The New York Times app displays some stories, but I don't think it's designed for subscriptions yet. Um, the Economist has an app that's designed for subscriptions, and they've been selling subscriptions digitally and joint digital print subscriptions for a while. So the, the real question here is not only when will these publications start offering subscriptions, but when will they have apps that are able to manage subscriptions? Well, I guess the technology is there now. Now, I was given to understand it would require an update to the iPhone, iPad software to allow for this in-app subscriptions, but I guess that wasn't so. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We return with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, talking to us from his lovely home in the French Alps. And one day I'm going to ask him to just send a picture that we could post online, you know, well exposed to show the view. I saw the view through a video cam, and it was just awesome. I'm going to show my wife after... We finish this interview. But our feature here on the Tech Night Out Live is to talk about Apple's in-app subscription service, starting with the Daily, expanding to other publishers. And I guess the Daily is kind of a test case. But understand, too, that Rupert Murdoch is well-known. In a sense, he's like Microsoft. He'll pour millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions 
billions of dollars into a project until it works. So, for example, say, for example, we don't like the content today of the Daily. Okay? Okay. Nothing stops Rupert Murdoch and the editorial crew at the Daily to beef up content over time. Nothing stops them from updating the app to fix the problems. You get my point? Yeah, they, they are certainly able to do that. Um, I, I kind of wonder what they, they said they spent $30 million on this. That's a drop um, in the bucket for them. Yeah, but what, what, what costs $30 million? It's not the app development. I don't know what they spent $30 million on. Press junkets to, I don't know, the Caribbean to work on a beach or something? Okay, so even if they have a couple of hundred employees, and I don't think they have that many, um, how could they spend that much money that quickly? Well, it might be that they allocated that as ongoing promotion. You know, it doesn't mean they spend it all at once. It might be the budget they set for, say, the first no, year. It's going to be $30 million. I don't know. I think they said the budget is a half million a week. I mean, for the amount of news they're publishing, that's a hell of a lot of money. Well, as you say, it doesn't look like $30 million there. Maybe it's just sitting there waiting to expand and improve the publication to test it out. I don't know. I don't know what it costs them. I don't know how many subscriptions they're getting. I don't know the economics of it. I just think that for that kind of publisher, for Rupert Murdoch, $30 million is nothing. It's chump change, and if it's not enough, he'll pour $100 million. This is true. This is true. No, I, I'm more interested to see. I, I don't think that the concept of the daily is necessarily, you know, oh, it's so cool because it's an iPad only newspaper and that's going to change the thing. I mean, it's obvious that resourcing content from print to web is, is relatively simple. Um, resourcing content from print to iPad is different because if you look at any of the current, I mean, look at the New York Times application, you, you tap on a story and you see it, and the story is whatever length it is, but it's more than one screen on the iPad, but less than two or more than two and less than three. There's a lot of empty white space, so it's not designed to fit in a certain allocation of space, which in a way makes sense because they're taking it from the web where there are no limits, and I don't think there necessarily need to be limits on the iPad. When you look at the Daily, though, each article is crafted and copy edited to fit on a page or two or whatever space it has, um, which is the sort of print approach. And it just seems kind of odd that they would take that approach and have relatively short stories rather than, you know, offer the opportunity to have longer you know, analytical news. Of course, they're not they're not targeting that newspaper or whatever you want to call it, pad paper, um, to people who want analysis. They're targeting it to people who just want, you know, to read for 20 minutes on the subway or something like that. But I, so I think it'll be interesting to see how different magazines approach converting a magazine to an iPad version. For example, will the New Yorker include all of the goings on about town section, the front part of the magazine, which lists events in New York City. Will a magazine like, I don't know, a, a sports publication, will it include maybe more score information than they would in print? Because you don't put that stuff in print because of the cost of, of pages, and yet in digital it doesn't cost as much. So what we may see are magazines and newspapers that reproduce a certain amount of the content of their print counterparts, but may have more or less or different content um, because of the fact that they're in digital format. 
And they don't have the same limitations in terms of space. Now, consider, for example, Macworld Magazine. Now, Macworld Magazine has, I guess, in the last six months or a year, grown again. You know, a lot of the magazines slimmed a lot. And I noticed they're getting more ads now because of the growth of the various Apple platforms. But you'll always see in Macworld, you want to see a more detailed version of the review go to the site. Now, you could put that into a digital form for the iPad and see all of it, all the content. That means you're not just repurposing your print version. You're expanding on it, and I guess what the Daily is trying to do, and I still, I guess we could regard this as an experiment, is to basically develop a digital-only publication for an e-reader, for example. That's what the purpose was, whereas a lot of the other publications were simply the print publication kind of distilled down to an iPad app or something. Yeah, the, the, the Macworld example is interesting because you would have two options um, for the reviews, as you say, as you point out. Um, one of them could be that you tap on a review and you get the whole review um, in the actual, let's call it, iPad magazine. The other is that it opens the review on the web in a built-in browser window so you can access it in that format and also eventually post comments to the review, ratings, and, and things like that. So here, here's where we get into a sort of hybrid that the magazine itself, because when you look at Macworld, you, they tell you to, you know, to type a small, a shortened URL to access the website. Well, these, these URLs could be live in the magazine, and you tap them, and you could go to the web. So we could have a possibility of a hybrid that provides the magazine as such, but gives you web access immediately. I think that would actually be an interesting approach to it. Well, you know, what they can do is what they do, say, in some publications, you're opening the browser window within the app. So, for example, if you get the Huffington Post, and that was just recently acquired by AOL, they and other publishers, what they do is they have an article or a link or a short summary of an article from another newspaper or publication, and you click on it, and the browser window opens not in Safari, but within the app that you're using. Right. It uses the built-in WebKit framework, which is what Safari uses to render web pages. Sure. Um, and it just opens a window, so you don't see things like your bookmarks and all the rest of it, but you get exactly the same layout as you would in Safari, um, which, which is an interesting way because you don't leave the application, and when you close the window, you're right back where you started from before you tapped on the link. Usually there's some kind of Xbox. Sometimes they say done. Yeah, it's usually done. That's the standard one, I think. Right. Now, some use an X, and the X has to be pretty big for you to notice it. I know Time Magazine tries to do that. Time Magazine's interface sucks, and I won't get into details. If you try the Time Magazine app on your iPhone, you'll see what's wrong with it. Yeah. I, I see, this is all new. Um, the the, the design that we see now is a sort of a hybrid between print and web. And we haven't yet found the type of design that is really tablet-specific. Again, that's what the Daily is trying to do. I don't think they really succeeded that well. I think the, the application is slow and clunky. Um, I don't like the carousel. I think it's you know kind of foolish. Um, but they are trying to make a, a design and a layout that are specific to the iPad. And so... This is going to be, I think it's going to take a couple of years until we start seeing um, a lot of publications with really good design for the iPad. I think we're going to see version one of a bunch of publications um, and, you know, maybe another year until we get version two where they've started to figure out 
not only how to best present the information, but how people use it and what is the most logical way for them to access information on these devices. And, and don't forget, the iPad is the current leader in the market, but we've got Android tablets coming, um, some of them that are already being sold and some that are on their way. And I think that while the approach is going to be slightly different on the two platforms, I think any company that's building an application for both is going to learn from each platform and you know, be able to roll things in um, from one platform to the other that they've figured out. Well, there's also the theory here that one of the reasons why the Daily has problems, the app right now, is because in consideration of possibly also opening the Daily on the Android platform, News Corporation sacrificed certain things in order to be more cross-platform compatible. That certainly opens up a can of worms. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. It's a new year full of uncertainties. People are being laid off in record numbers. The price of food continues to rise and the economy continues to falter. You know that you need to prepare. And maybe you've been putting it off, but the time to act is now. That's why you need to visit OrganicaSeed.com. At OrganicaSeed.com, you'll find one of the largest online selections of heirloom seeds and survival seed packs, as well as the giant vegetable seed collections that can feed you and your family for years. 
Imagine growing your very own fresh vegetables, wheatgrass, fruits, herbs, rice, tea, coffee, and tobacco. With detailed growing guides available to you at no charge, you can maximize your harvest and investment. And the best part? All orders ship within 24 hours. So head over to OrganicaSeed.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com today. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, Oregacillin Physician Strength Capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com Returning with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator on the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. And let's take a look now at that little piece of speculation I voiced before we had the station break. That it's inevitable that there will probably be attempts to have subscription publications on the Android platform. So would a company like News Corporation distill their publications to the lowest common denominator to make it easier to bring it to different platforms? Yeah, Google has already announced a system to offer subscriptions. They haven't given a lot of details. Um, one of the things that the Google plan is going to offer is access to content on pretty much any platform because it could be through a specialized app, but it could also be through the web. Now, I'm less interested in a magazine subscription that's just a website. I'm more interested in a magazine subscription on an iPad that looks like a magazine on an iPad. So Google's technique is obviously Google is web. You know, they want Android, but a lot of what they're doing for Android is web-based that's being carried over to Android, you know, that Android accesses. Um, it's the same thing they're going to be doing with their Google Books. I'm, I'm just not sure that the basic web is the kind of design we want. It seems to me to be the absolute lowest common denominator um, where people are designing for all platforms as opposed to a very specific design for a specific platform. Now, maybe what will happen is magazines will, you know, have different versions and using CSS They'll detect what device you're using, or if you're on an Android device, maybe you're accessing a web page, but it's going to render differently and look like real pages, not like scrolling web pages. That remains to be seen. Again, Google's announcement came just a day after Apple's, 
and there isn't enough information to know what's going to happen yet. Now, as you recall, one of the reasons why Steve Jobs was so bent out of shape about cross-platform development tools is because of the fear that you get mediocre apps because people are going to do just the minimum amount of work necessary to support a platform because they want to support as many platforms as possible. And that's the problem. Yeah, you, you, you make something that's as compatible as possible with everything and you end up with banal looking websites. And it's the same thing, it's the same as the case with applications. If you work in a, in a system like whatever this Adobe Flash based system is that generates applications, obviously people are building it for a global interface and not for the more specific types of interface or types of usage that you would get on on a given device. I want to move to another thing about what might happen, because obviously it's still early in the game as far as subscription products are concerned on the iOS platform. Okay, when the iPad was first announced ahead of its actual shipment, one of the things that looked hopeful was the possibility of using iPads as school textbooks. You know, you see all these kids, and I just see this the other day, where someone living in this complex has a daughter, maybe seven or eight years old, and she's lugging this thick, heavy backpack, and you wonder, gee, a young physique carrying all that stuff on their backs, what's it doing to them? You know, maybe chiropractors would get a lot of business out of it, but it can't be healthy. So I suggested, and I think a lot of people did, we would see the growth of textbooks, and it hasn't really happened. There are a handful of school systems that are experimenting with using iPads, One school system that was featured on a TV cable news show, they came out with a suggestion that they wanted to use the iPad, but it was too expensive, so they're using the Amazon Kindle. Of course, the Amazon Kindle might be fine for the reading process. It won't be good for the color pictures you see in school textbooks, and certainly wouldn't be good when the students are being expected to submit term paper. Yeah, textbooks are a big issue. Um, when you see kids, I mean, it's the same thing here. They have these heavy textbooks. They're printed on glossy paper. Um, and one of the problems is that you have to understand that the textbook publishing industry is humongous. This is, you know, pro- one of the biggest sectors in publishing, even though most people don't realize it, because they don't generally buy textbooks in the United States. Um, here in France, when you get into the equivalent of high school, you can buy text. You can Depending on where you live, you may have to buy textbooks. If you go to uh, college, you have to buy textbooks. Right. If you go to college, obviously. But in the States, well, in, in when I was growing up through high school, we didn't have to buy any. Um, just as an example, I worked in a French bookstore for a few years. And we sold both normal, you know, fiction, nonfiction, paperbacks and all that. And we also sold textbooks. Um, these were textbooks. This was a town of about 50,000 people, textbooks that only people for a, a few years in high school had to buy. And it represented one third of the store's turnover. So that gives you an idea of how much it is that, you know, just for a bunch of high school kids for a couple of years in a town that size, one third of the, of the store's turnover. So the textbook industry doesn't want to lose the huge sales that they get. Um, obviously, this is going to have to happen. Because schools are going to force it and parents are going to force it, and it's a good thing. The textbook industry in the United States and generally worldwide is a huge ripoff. When you look at the cost of some of these textbooks, that can be, you know, well over, for college textbooks, well over $100. Um, these are books that if they were normal, say, nonfiction books, you'd pay maybe $30, $35, you know, considering they often have pictures, they're glossy, so you'd pay $40 or whatever. But because they're textbooks, they're marked up incredibly. 
The people who write them don't get much money. Um, the, the publishers make a fortune off of these, just as they do off of scientific journals and, and, and the whole thing like that. And they don't want to give up this market. Um, yeah, but they could still lease the textbooks to the student for maybe a somewhat smaller fee because there's no printing involved, but they could still sell it for a pretty fair price or even an excessive exorbitant price. It would be even time-stamped. So if you buy or lease your textbook for a year after a year it's gone, you don't need the textbook and your copy vanishes. Sure. All of these things are very easy to do. And in, let's not talk about college level. Let's talk about you know normal schools where it's the schools that are paying. They'd buy a site license for, for, for X number of copies. As you say, they'd be time-bombed, so at the end of the year they disappear. Um, all these things are certainly possible, but I'm sure that the textbook publishers don't want to do this until they're forced to um, because they're just making a lot of money. But when you think about what it'll mean for kids, um, I think one of the first things is we have to be absolutely sure that the tablets that the kids are going to use are not going to break easily. Now, unfortunately, I've never dropped my iPad. Uh, I don't know what happens if you drop it. But, you know, when I was in grade school, there was a lot of roughhousing going around. So you kick someone's knapsack, and if it hits the screen and that breaks it, not a good thing. I, I think that if you do that, you certainly need to have a protective case around the iPad. I assume that would be a given. I assume it would be a given that these things come with the case, even the one that Apple provides. Maybe Apple yeah. sells them, you know, five or 10,000 iPads because they have a certain level of student body. So therefore, with that number of iPads, they'll sell them the case as part of the package. Yeah, but I, I certainly think we're going to go there. It's just a matter of when. Um, you know, this is all, remember, the iPad hasn't been out for a year yet, Gene. So, you know, we're, we're speculating on a future that I think we've been seeing this future coming for a while. So we've got all these ideas, you know, about um, electronic textbooks and about all the other options. Um, but You know, in terms of the future, though, the future is the next segment of the show. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. Yeah. Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! 
burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677 That's 800-217-6677 Effective, efficient, economical Spray it all with Dermatol Never buy home canning jar lids again No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe1.com that's b i o s a f e o n e.com biosafe1.com or call toll free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe1 the guaranteed biofriendly money saving way to clean your septic system are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. And we're living in an internet world where we are running out of IP numbers. So that may be the other crisis more than worrying about whether um, the iPad will have the textbooks. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. So we started off saying why haven't the textbook publishers adopted this system. But as you say, it's early in the game. The iPad came out April of 2010, and we're kind of expecting that Apple should have done everything on the first day. Yeah, which, is, which isn't realistic. I think that Apple came out with a device and while they certainly tested it internally with a lot of people, they didn't know how it was going to be used. It's a, it's a new category of a device. It's not a, a smartphone. It's not a computer. And I think 
Apple has learned an awful lot from the way people have used it. And I'm willing to bet that when Apple presents the iPad 2, one of the things that they're going to say is, we've learned from the way people have used it that people want this, this, and this. And this is going to be some of the new features that they're going to offer. Well, obviously, it's a given because of FaceTime, and Apple wants to spread FaceTime. There's going to be a front-facing camera. It's debatable if there'll be a rear camera. But I guess they kind of have to be dragged, kicking, and screaming to that because every other (laughs) tablet out there is going to have cameras front and rear. The camera question is interesting because I don't know a lot of people actually use the front-facing camera. Um, I I think it's one of these features that you just have to have because you can do it cheaply and because if you don't have it, people are going to say you don't have it. Um, Other than that, I'm not sure how popular. I've never heard a lot of people saying that they use FaceTime. Okay, well, you know, of course, there are so many other ways to do video chatting. You can do it in Skype. I think the new version of Skype for the iPhone, iPad does allow for video chatting if you have, but then you have to have the front-facing camera all over again. Just like, for example, when you and I connected today, the first thing I saw was you with a headset in your home office. Right, because I have a display which has an eyesight camera in it. And I begged you to turn off the picture, but then you showed me the view. Then I showed you the view, and then you wanted me to leave it on with the camera turned toward the window because it, I had to turn it so you could, you know. But then, of course, the mic, you're not facing the mic anymore, so therefore it makes it difficult. Right. I, you're jealous because you live in a land of desert, and I live in a land of mountains and cool air. It's kind of cool right now. Right now, in Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona, it's 63 degrees. The high temperature today will be 75. Are you jealous? No. I like it here. The high temperature here was around 40-something. We had a little bit of we had some snow flurries today. Um, I love this kind of weather. Of course, when we get to the summer and your high temperature is 180, um, then you're the one who's going to be more jealous. Well, as long as I have the air conditioning, I don't care. But seriously speaking, let's just take a look at the next <laughs> iPad. So I guess it's, as I said, kind of a given we'll have the cameras. What else might we expect to see? Thinner? Lighter? You know, I think if you go back in the archives, when we first talked about the iPad last year, one comment that I made was that it's heavy. And I'm holding mine in my hands, and it's heavy. When I consider, you know, it's just a heavy device. It's about one, I'd say, if it could lose one-third of its weight, it would be, it's a device that has to have have a heft. When you pick it up, it it shouldn't feel too light. But it's just too heavy right now. Now, uh, from what I understand, the weight is basically the battery in the glass. Um, They can certainly maybe get the glass a bit thinner and, you know, some new technology to make the glass thinner and strong and just as strong. Um, Battery technologies are improving over time. So maybe they can thin out the battery and save a little bit of weight. Well, the other issue would be if they can get the electronics to use less power, more power-efficient processors, graphics processors, et cetera, better power management. Now, everything gets thinner, even, you know, for example, if you think of your flat-panel TV set, a 50-inch plasma would weigh about 120 or 130 pounds Mm -hmm. a few years ago. Now, as they shrunk the components and made the panels thinner, today you get a Panasonic that weighs 65 pounds, 50-inch. You can almost lift it. Yeah. No, I I think, and again, I think I said this last year, we're going to look back at the iPad one and we're going to look at it the way we would look today at the first power book, you know, the 20-year-old power book. We're going to say, wow, that was a clunky design. 
And while it's nice now, there's certainly room to make it thinner, to make the edges more rounded, you know, to get rid of these square edges. Um, I, I think those are, I think the main features we're going to see are lighter and thinner, as you say, front facing camera, possibly other buttons, maybe an SD card slot, but I'm not sure that Apple really wants to go that route and let people add files to the device like that. Um, I think we'll see incremental improvements in processor speed, um, video refresh rate, um, you know, all, all the kind of stuff that's going to make things just look like they're a little bit faster and a little bit better. I don't know if we'll see the Retina display. There have been some rumors saying that we will, and there's some rumors saying that we don't. Frankly, I think it needs a Retina display. When you read it for a long time, you know, you can see the edges of the pixels, and it's not ideal. Uh, I think we're going to see some new features that are unrelated to what we expect. I think Apple's going to sneak something in that's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine. So I think what we're going to see is a thinner, lighter iPad with some incremental features, uh, feature updates. It'll make people want to buy the iPad 2 and hand down the iPad 1 to someone else. Um, I think the price will be a little lower. We'll have more memory. Maybe a different um, 3G access plan. If you remember, the 3G access plan at the beginning was pretty innovative, and then ATT changed their mind. So, you know, I, I think Apple's going to surprise us, but I think smaller and lighter are pretty much a given. Now, if you notice with the new Verizon wireless iPhone, they're using a baseband chip from Qualcomm that supports GSM and CDMA. So it's possible Apple could sell one iPad for either service or either protocols around the world. Well, that certainly makes sense, um, given that they... It, it's it's not economically a good thing for them to be building different versions of it for different markets. So if they could put all of the electronics necessary for the different markets into all of the devices, it makes it a lot easier for them to handle inventory. There's also speculation then that the next iPhone will also be a dual protocol kind of product or world phone, and we'll have to see again because Apple's already taken that first step. They didn't have to use that particular baseband chip. Right. So there's significance. Okay, so the iPad, we expect also Apple will somehow, as you suggested earlier, thinner battery, thinner screen. Some people are saying, you know what, ditch aluminum, go to carbon fiber, but that's expensive, right? I don't know how expensive that is. I'd love to see that. And in fact, I, I maybe we discussed it on the show a while back. Apple's been doing aluminum laptops for a number of years now. Um, we kind of forget that they used to have black and gray and white and multicolored laptops. I mean, you, I think you can still get the white MacBook. Um, but instead of aluminum, carbon fiber with a kind of texture might be very, very modern. Um, depending on what it costs, I think it's certainly not heavier than aluminum. Um, I don't know if there are any other manufacturers who've used that yet for something the size of a laptop. Um, that that would certainly give a, a, a new image to Apple's um, portable device line. Hey, neighbors, let's look at these possibilities here. We obviously have the rumors that the next iPad's going to be slimmer, hmm, going to be a little bit lighter, so it's not such a load for one hand, and maybe, of course, have the FaceTime camera, maybe a rear camera, maybe an SD card slot, all the speculation that Kirk McElhern and I have been talking about. Here's what we've done. We're opening up a special forum thread at the Tech Night Ally forums for you to comment what you expect the next iPad to be like. Go to forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
The other suggestion, and we'll continue with that discussion in a moment, is that Apple will continue the current iPad through the next year and just sell for three forty nine instead of four ninety nine as a starting price. Kind of the same philosophy as the iPhone. You know, in America, we have a $49 iPhone 3GS, basically a model from 2009 with the current models. And AT&T is pushing that, saying, you know what? If the big iPhone is too rich for your blood, well, maybe it's not quite as fast. It doesn't have the retina display, but it's a pretty good one. Why don't you get the cheap iPhone? That could be a possibility. We have Kirk McElhern. He's an author and a commentator. He's not cheap because he lives in France, because it has to be expensive to live there. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac. Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows. And Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high-energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps Helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. 
both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks, Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare and have joined forces to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I want you to join our InfoWars team. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Kirk McElhern for our final segment of the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg, talking about what the next iPad might be like. Sir Elton John says it will be here in April, but anyone could have said that. Well, yeah, I mean, Elton John is certainly, you know, one of the leading authorities in in terms of information on new technology. So I guess we have to absolutely believe what he said there, right? Sir Elton John says it. It's got to be true. There you go. Take it to the bank. Okay, so we have the iPad and in this box, the iPhone 5, or whatever Apple chooses to call it. And I started speculating about it. It's going to have maybe the combined baseband chip because of what they did with Verizon Wireless. What's your feeling about the next iPhone? Well, you know, I don't use an iPhone. Um, I'm not really big on it. My son just got an iPhone 4. He's extremely happy compared to his um, iPhone 3 that was, what, two years old? Um I, I think one thing that we're seeing, and, and I noticed it on his old iPhone, is that with the new, the latest version of iOS and new applications, things were running really slow. So there's an awful lot of pressure on the processor um, and the memory, and as a result of that on the battery life, um, that means that these devices have to catch up. Um, you know, the way computers were maybe between five and ten years ago that we were always catching up to new apps that, that had higher demands, um, I, I think we're going to see this catch up on mobile devices for a number of years now as they're becoming so important and applications are demanding so much. Um, I don't know if the retina display itself, uh, I don't know how it works in terms of um, video RAM, if it uses more video RAM, I don't think so. I think it's just the text is rendered um, differently. But it's obvious that whatever they do, it's going to be more capacity and faster and you know, better battery life because all these things are improving incrementally. There, there have been some interesting rumors about Mobile Me, about Apple selling a cheap iPhone with no storage or very little, just enough for a buffer. As a friend of mine said, it would be basically like an Apple TV that you can make a phone call on and that everything you get would be streaming. I don't really buy that. I, I don't see that. Um, I don't think network carriers want a device that's going to be streaming music whenever people want to listen to music because they're already you know dealing with an awful lot of bandwidth from from smartphones. But um, you know what they could do, and this is something where our previous guest Daniel Aaron Dilger 
thought wouldn't work very well is you have an iPhone, you have maybe a slightly smaller iPhone. You have the four-inch iPhone, which is makes the device slightly larger to squeeze that larger screen. Then you have a three-inch screen, slightly smaller. And then you have possibly what would be the equivalent of an iPod Shuffle, which is a basic iPhone, a basic feature phone that would cost a couple of hundred dollars. And so, therefore, with a subsidy, the cell carriers sell it free. It replaces all the free phones that you get now, all the junk phones from LG and Samsung and Nokia and all those. You get a real iPhone, except that it doesn't do data. It's just for phone calls, a simple address book, that's it. Does that make sense? I mean, one of the philosophies here is that if you offer an iPhone that doesn't run apps, you're stealing from the app market. But, you know, the people who want just a cell phone, the people who buy a smartphone with all the extra features, that's two different audiences, isn't it? Yeah, it's only a small percentage of people who buy smartphones, even though that translates into millions of and tens of millions of smartphones. Um, it's not a lot of people overall. I kind of think I'm a little bit hesitant about predicting that Apple wants to become a phone manufacturer. That, that they manufacture a smartphone is one thing. That they get into a full line of phones with a smartphone and a dumb phone and, a, and an in-between phone – I'm not sure that Apple really wants to go that route. Uh, if anything, you, you know, the Apple talked about a very large investment. I don't know if it was the last um, results call or the previous one. The last they, one. The last one. And, and sure. they didn't say anything about it, but that there is a large investment planned. Um, Apple's making a lot of money from the iPhone. I'm not sure that they need to dilute the brand by making iPhone juniors. And, and I would see them making an investment in, like, home entertainment systems, TV sets, stereos, things like that going further. Um, extending, extending a product line to cheap phones. Apple's never been a company that sold cheap products. So, What about okay. the $49 iPod? Yeah, there's a, there's a cheap iPod, and it's not really one that sells a lot. Um, it's because the iPod line is Apple, whereas a phone is, you know, all of the phone manufacturers around the world. I don't know. It's, it's certainly possible. Apple has changed so much in the last five years. Just remember Apple before the iPhone and Apple now. Um, well, you it, know what? I don't think it would cost a lot to develop. Because they can use a lot of the same basic components without the flash memory and everything to make it cheaper. And you don't pay for the big screen and everything. But Apple could throw the entire mobile phone industry for a loop. You want an iPhone? You don't want the data? Fine. We'll give you one without it. Hold on. It's not an iPhone. It's a phone with a couple of applications, which is pretty much like any other phone you can get. And once Apple makes a product that's like any other product you can get, they're no longer in a position of power. They would have to be something that differentiates it. And that's why the iPhone works. That's why the iPad works. Um, there wouldn't be differentiation there. Um, I, I look at today's iPod Nano. It's one of the my least favorite iPods of all time because it's, it's an attempt to make a hybrid between an iPod Touch and an iPod Shuffle, and it fails in both respects. Um, I, I just don't see Apple making an iPhone junior. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So all the rumors that the Wall Street Journal has, Bloomberg News. Now, these are fairly mainstream sources. It's not the same thing as the rumor site bringing that up. You know, it sounds as if there is some kind of 
input from an official source, which is implied. And, of course, we have the Mobile World Congress this week in Barcelona. You think maybe all that story... It's just All to that get chatter is just to divert attention. Maybe Apple threw out a trial balloon, or exactly. are they really thinking about it? I wouldn't be surprised if they have prototypes for half a dozen different phones. That doesn't mean that they're going to bring them to market. Sure. Uh, and and with the with the Mobile World Conference, um, Apple planting a rumor like this certainly makes everyone talk about Apple and makes everyone in Barcelona start shaking, thinking, "Oh, what's Apple going to do next?" Will they do it? Who knows? Who knows? You know, I, I wouldn't have predicted an iPhone back in the day, but who knows? As I said, Apple may be looking to, if nothing else, because they've done all the development, just put the basic guts of an iPhone without the extras in a smaller, cheaper case and just throw the rest of the industry out of whack. I mean, if they sold 10 or 20 million of them, which would be a minimal thing, well, you know what? You can give that to the kids. Give that phone to the kids. You don't want them to have all the feature phone and all that other stuff. This is cheap. You already have the extra line on your cell phone contract. Get a cheap phone for it, an Apple. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm not an iPhone user. In fact, I'm not even a cell phone user. Um, I make about three cell phone calls a year. Um, so it's not something that I am really I, – I don't have enough knowledge of the industry to be able to speculate. Again, I'm sure Apple has tons of prototypes. Um, the question is, in their broader strategy, do they think it's worth going into the low end of the market instead of the high end of the market? I'm not sure that that's what Apple wants to do. Well, we can't read the tea leaves. We can't read the mind of Steve Jobs. But it's certainly clear at this point that Steve Jobs is still very much in charge. In fact, there were sighting reports of him at the Apple campus and then at an Indian restaurant. So obviously he's not bedridden, at least. And, of course, not to mention having dinner with the President of the United States on Thursday evening. And this is good news. We're all hoping that Steve gets better soon. I mean, no one lasts forever, but, you know, we'd like to see him be around for another decade or two to keep the innovation going at Apple. I'm not going to talk again with you about Nokia and Microsoft. I think that was a marriage made in the other place down there, but that's another story. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of the things that you write about? Well, as usual, uh, on my website, McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, at Macworld, where I've been writing a lot recently. I've been reviewing a bunch of uh, Mac applications from the Mac App Store, uh, writing about iTunes, and, you know, just visit my website if you want to find out what I'm writing about. And you can find us, TechNightHowl.com, TechNightHowl.com. On Twitter, we're TechNightHowl at Twitter. How about that? Our other radio show is called The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com for stuff about UFOs and things that go bump in the night on the Tech Night Owl. A special thanks to Kirk McElhern. Thanks again, my friend, for joining us this week on the show. Thanks, Gene. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.